Hello and welcome to Pod Songs, where we interview inspirational people in service to others as inspiration for a new song. Today, my co-host and musical collaborator is the artist and all-round creative, Dave McKean, and his guest is the pianist, Stefano Bolani. Oh, hey. now you can, now you can, can hear you, me, yeah? Can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah, yeah. We're on. Hey. There's some sort of spot on your, on your camera lens though. You have like, I, I, I know, and I'm not sure I can do anything about that. Try, but it, it, it seems paint, to be. You've been it, painting. Yeah. It, I'm using my laptop, which is battle hardened in my studio. It's covered uh, in paint. No, see, that's not going to shift. Okay. I, can, I, I can go upstairs to a different camera, which no, that's okay. Yeah. me to do that. Um. No, just maybe move a few, couple of inches to the side. Yeah, yeah and now I don't no. see it. Good. You can hear me okay? Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. It's great to have you back on. You're the first person to come on as a, both a guest and an artist. Oh, right. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Did you get a song from your previous? Yeah, we're, uh, still, yeah. we're, still, we're still working on it. Still um, working on it. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, he wrote one and then he got quite attached to it. And he didn't want to, didn't want to release it as a pod song song. He wanted right. to develop it on his own. So, okay. but luckily as a backup, I always write a song as a, uh, to have one in the bag, you know, because we well, never know when, because sometimes, you know, not everyone has, has got creativity on tap as like you. Yes. Well, I'm, yeah, no, I'm happy to write a song. I like writing songs. I don't get the chance very often. Yeah, great. And it's, and it's funny, your guest is a musician as well. So we're like going through layers of irony, I reckon. Yes. <laughs> so do you think you'll do a piano piece? Because you're in a band as well, yeah? Um, I am. I, I doubt I'll use them. I think I'll um, write a, a piano-based song. Mm -hmm. And then depending on what it is, I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, depending yeah. on what it is, I might drag in a friend or two to play on it sharp or in battle or something okay but so we'll see we'll see okay we'll have uh, musicians here in italy if you need anyone else if you want i'm sure you've got many many yeah we can mix Voices and master it yeah yeah so um once we've got we've got like a production team you know we're going through you know we're working on saying we're meeting in the studio every week and we're working on different people's songs so we're really in a groove you know and so that's uh, that helps because uh, you know a lot of these like sometimes I'm waiting on songs for even a year. Oh, right. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and be a bit quicker. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like ripping off a plaster, you know, from deadlines and work. It's like, <laughs> it's just, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, now the one with about the, um, that I did with Thomas is coming on very well. It's, uh, we obviously lyrics are about, uh, mid journey and. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, okay. And we just described, so we came up with very picturesque lyrics to describe the, you know, the mid journey, because it comes up with these quite spacey, you know, like hyperplexic Ferris wheels, just basically the things you said in the interview, right? you know, okay. av avocado chairs, yeah, all, all these kind of, so yeah. a very visual language to describe, to describe its work. Yes. I'm the walrus really. Yeah, that exactly that kind of. <laughs> Yeah. 
yeah and then the chorus is a bit more about the nuke the convention and about how it's all yeah. changing how yeah even since we spoke it's gone like with chat gpt and um yeah. it's just become yes a, bi- a ubiquitous it has uh, and it's uh, yeah, um, you know elon musk's uh letter that's been signed by various uh well, what do you um, think about that programmers what do i think about that um well i mean i, I absolutely agree i do think uh, it's a it's a ludicrous arms race and and they should absolutely pause to think about what on earth they're doing and put some ethical guardrails in but that's what my book's about you know i was saying that six months ago i don't think it's going to happen um oh, no. I've, I've done so many talks and podcasts now with people and they do get bogged down with the ethical side of it I mean, rightly, uh, all of that's very important, but I just think it's too late. Yeah, in a different way. Mm. Yeah, I'm using it for to write my press releases for GPT, and I use it really? for artwork now. Yeah, because you know I'm on a, I'm on a no budget uh, program, so anything I used to use uh, image rights free images, just because I don't have time to do the artwork as well, and so so now I can actually do. Although I haven't, you really have to. Be, I understand now from talking to you, you really have to be. You have to, it's better if you've been to design to art college to, yeah, to write the prompts there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but, but it is terrifying what the, how sophisticated the end result is for almost no work. <laughs> you can get, I've seen people using chat GPT to write the prompts. Yes. So you, you put in, um, but again, I think you have to be, you, you can copy successful prompts and. I think you need to be like a, a bot whisperer yeah. to, to play these because then you can get, you know, the great results, you know, because you know the, you know, if you want a photorealistic thing, you have to choose, you have to know the language of a lens. And I suppose so. Although yeah. just saying photorealistic is probably all you need these days. But wow. mid journey five. Amazing, eh? I mean, I mean you, you barely, you barely need to show up now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But are you worried for like ethical reasons besides the, 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 the pay of creatives or I'm worried across the board. I'm, I'm worried for ethical reasons. I mean, I've seen the photographs that have been, I see I'm falling into the trap. The images that have been created of Trump being arrested. I mean, they look like photographs of Trump being arrested. There you go. We are now and the Pope wearing a, a big puffy jacket. <laughs> it looks exactly like a photograph of that. So. You know, on the while it's while it's funny and benign and a and a cute mm. joke, it's okay. But you know, tomorrow it's going to be people supporting their you know fake news with photographic evidence. Yeah, it's a it's a night. Mm-hmm. And no, I don't, I don't understand why nobody thinks this is an absolute Orwellian nightmare. Yeah, but still, this person. Of all the so of all the science book you've worked on a lot of science fiction books and you know a lot of science fiction writers has anyone kind of predicted this kind of accurately? Or? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, a series like Black Mirror would be the ideal place to look for this kind of yeah, thing. I bet yeah. Charlie Brooker is, as we speak, writing another six episodes all about the terrors of AI. Um, but I, I haven't seen. I can't remember. I'm just, I haven't read every science fiction book going or anything like it, but I can't remember seeing anything so specific as this. And it really did come out of nowhere. And the technology has been around a little while. Uh, there were books, 
the book, The Artist in the Machine that I read is a few years old now, and that covers um, research work been done in universities for the previous 10, 20 years. So this has been in the works for a while. It's just um, all of a sudden everything's been released at once mm. and it's like a tsunami of, of uh, terror. Um, and so I think that's why it's become such a hot topic. Mm. Because it also, you know, replaces search engines because you think like Google is, is unshakable, central, you know, the center of our universe. And suddenly it's, you know, it could replace search. I mean, these things yeah. you just don't see coming until they're, it's just this, we're going through this collective learning phase and it's really. Yes. I mean, I'm just, I'm surprised, mostly I'm surprised that the AI techies have targeted all the things that we really love to do as, yeah, as, you said as humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, about, what surprises me. What about music? Are they working on that one yet? Oh, oh they've been working on music for decades. Um, you know, uh, endless iterations of Bach preludes written in yeah. that final yeah. harmonizing and then, you know, songs written with AI. Mm. Most of it is, it's like, you know, somebody's working on AI jokes. You, know, you can imagine what that's like. Um, most of them, uh, I went to, I, I can't remember if, uh, when we did that first interview, I had, uh, spent my day with Robert McFarlane. Um, so. he's the a writer that I'm working with at the moment and he's professor Cambridge university. And so we spent the day plotting, but at lunchtime we were talking about bots, uh, because he's just had to start to get, come to terms with essays being written using ALA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he said he's had a few now and he's seen them and they are basically C and D grade passes. So they're not great. They're not brilliant, but they are passes. <laughs> um, and everything, the images, the jokes, the music, everything seems to be at that kind of level. It's yeah. the endless, endless C and D grade. Mm. And the, the brilliance is, is not there. At all. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Did you funny... need... yeah. Sorry, go with it. It'll just be funny when I can also upload the, like a, a transcript of the conversation. I get a song at the end. But, but, well, yeah, I can upload indeed. to an AI. Yeah. Do you need to do an introduction? Is that what Sam was in this? No, we just, um, briefly. yeah, we just chat. I, I released this as well. This is just to kind of, because if both the guests, cause you're my guest, but he's your guest. Yes. So. If, if we both, you both come on the show at the same time, it's too much for the orient, audience to orientate. So this is just kind of a get to know you chat. Oh. It's released as well. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so I saw your video with Stein Carstensen as well. How do you say Yeah. Stian Carstensen is a wonderful Norwegian multi-instrumentalist. And Mad, Madman is wonderful. He was in my circus band in... Uh, Miramas, so and, um, a long time collaborator with Ian Ballamy. And then the first time I saw um, the final play was with uh, Stia. Right, right. And they are absolutely perfectly matched to each other. They're both trying to out mad each other. So um, that's, what, that's why I'm so curious for you. You know, you chose Stefano, and because you described him as, uh, you know, hilarious, one of the Marx brothers. And he, he, obviously, I'm in Italy. And he's a very, uh, he's well known here as well. So it's great for me to be able to, 
to hear him as well. That's great. Yes, I understand he's he's very well known there. He's a television yeah. personality and yeah. uh, and that's some sort of whole side of him that I I I haven't seen. I, I haven't really seen any of that. I've got lots mm. of his albums. I love his collaboration. I love his classical playing and his mm. bre- breadth playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like the fact that he's interested in so much. He's just a naturally curious man. And yeah. I think you see that in his playing, but also it was lovely to see that he'd done all these uh, interviews with various people, scientists. Yeah. Various. He comes, Italy produces these like Benini, you know, these, yes. these, these incredible personalities. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just lovely to speak to. And also, also super talented artists. Uh, yeah, I'm mm. trying to think of who else, because they, especially pianists, they seem to, um, they seem to be the, in each country. It seems to be a crazy intellectual, artistic mm. pianist, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm void of examples. But I did have yeah. some. But, but yeah, yeah. Most of the pianists I know kind of stay in their world, and they're brilliant at what they do. Mm. But I love this sort of intellectual curiosity. One of my fa- my favorite comic artists is uh, Lorenzo Matotti, who's also a great, great Italian, brilliant. Polymath, yeah, yeah, filmmaker, illustrator, comics, painting, writing, everything. Yeah, another curious man. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at some of Stefano's videos, and he has these piano duels with, with on the, you know, it, Italian TV is pretty terrible though. There is, um, there is that side to it. He does. Yeah, the mainstream is, uh, um, you know, San Remo. That kind of. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No. But he's great. I mean, he's he's obviously not doing that kind of stuff. But so, mm. yeah. And you have questions for him? You're just going to have a conversation, or um, I'm happy just to have a conversation. I do have some questions because I thought yeah. I should have a few. Uh, and and a few, yeah. In fact, a few things I've always wanted to know. So uh, it's a great opportunity I can ask. Yeah, that's uh, what a few I'm... things I've always wanted to know. There you go. I prefer the free flowing style though, because Definitely. when it's it's not a job interview, and then no. then it, also, you get much better results because, you know, the amazing thing I didn't realize about this show before is that, um, you know, because I did the first hundred episodes by myself, I interviewed everyone, you know, and I um, I did re- a lot of research on people and I asked them all these questions. But, you know, I wasn't a f- I was a fan of some of them, but I wasn't a f- super fan of everyone. Right. So, you know, there wasn't this electricity in the room, this because now when we've got people who are who are, you know, they've followed them the whole lives. They've, they've, um, you know, read all their books. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote to Neil Gaiman um, to get him on because a lot of people want to interview him as well. And uh, I saw he'd written this funny biography to you. So I said, uh, you know, I said, Dave's been on and I know how it could better, you know, but you can do better or something like that. And he, that got a laugh. So he agreed to do it. So he's coming mm-hmm. on as well some other time. He's in a bit of a writing phase at the moment. But uh, but when you know you're a big fan, it's just such a it's a next level interview, you know, because you it's this this electricity in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Stacks of CDs. This I need to refer to one. Well, it's tempting to ask him to play on it as well, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Very Even if he if if he just did the middle eight, you know, just a yeah, little, exactly. At least you yeah. can say you played with him. You yeah, collaborated a... with him. Exactly. 
you've collaborated with so many. I was looking John Cale's on your Wikipedia page as well. As uh, yes, yeah, I'd say yeah. that. He's a couple of years Cale on two different books, and and then he did the the narration for one of my. Wow, because he has this beautiful voice. Beautiful yeah. voice. Yeah, it's Welsh, but he's lived in New York so long. It has this sort of strange lilt. And they accents land in strange places, but it's beautiful voice. Wow. Chat GPT couldn't come up with that. That would be something. No way. No, no. <laughs> that was another article I saw, actually. Lots of voice artists are being put out of work because, because there's a, an AI program that can. Is it? Uh, I was joking. <laughs> sample, you know, sample the, you know, the voices that are online of famous people and then just you type in what it wants it. And just the voice. Oh my how, God. How depressing is that? How, how dangerous is that? It's dangerous. Yeah. Trump getting arrested and you could have him say whatever you want. I did it. I caused the riots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what else are you working on at the moment? What are the projects? Uh, I'm just starting. Uh, there's some, I've got some paintings in the Chicago art fair, but uh, are they gone? Of Chicago, uh, and then I'm just starting illustrating a book by um, Italo Carbino. Invisible mm -hmm. City is one of my favorites. Are you doing the cover or the or actual? No, I'm doing um, nine or ten. Well, we'll see. Fifteen or so interior illustrations. Okay, I was, it's for the Folio Society again. They do. Oh, I used to when I was. I used to subscribe to Folio Society when I was in. Uh, got a few, uh, a few books. Of them, I, it's just fantastic. Man. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of quality stuff that will will outlast. Last, yeah, because uh, I still have them. These these have some uh, Hans Christian Andersen stories. I think. Oh right. Yeah, and they're on pride of place in my parents' house yeah. when I go back. You know, and they're yeah. just of all the crap I bought. Those are the ones that that lasted. Yeah. Well, if, yeah, they're they're beautiful books for book lovers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, actually, uh, while you're here, I, uh, Jeff Fuller's written a book, and I've been trying to work out what it, what uh, the title is. It's La Syndrome de Brontolo. What's Brontolo? Syndrome is a syndrome. The syndrome of Brontolo. I'll Google it. I tried to get it, you know, an automatic translation of it, but it didn't. It came up with only Brontolo syndrome. And the only reference of the bronchial is some sort of medicine, but if you've got a cough, I can't believe it's that. No, no. I can't quite believe it's that. But I wondered what it meant. Whether it was well, a play a place or I don't know. I don't know. But I guess you just I will ask. Yeah. Another thing I've got to ask. No, I think I quite know. quite reticent to talk about it. Because it's only in Italian, so I haven't read it. Yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd love to read it. So do you know who you've got next coming up? Yeah, I've got uh, two more interviews this week. I've got uh, wow. Yeah, I've got um, Bob. It's his second name from the David Lynch president of the David Lynch Foundation. Okay. Bob, Bob Roth is a meditation teacher. Oh. Okay. Um, and he does all these audio books for the for the uh, for David Lynch. Right. Trans Transcendental. Transcendental meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Yogi and, flying and all that. Yeah, yeah, like a whole shebang, yeah. <laughs> and I've got Reverend James Martin, 
who's the mm -hmm. editor of American Jesuit Priest and editor of the Jesuit magazine in America. Well, wow. yeah, because these are all these are all musicians that these are all guests that the musicians choose. So obviously, right. I would never choose any of these people. Myself. No, well, not because I wouldn't know what to, I wouldn't know what to talk about. You know. Yeah, he's got Sonia Christina from Who's the Being Curved Air. Oh, why? Really? Yeah. He curved air, really? With, with, um, in what, in what version? With Stuart Copeland? Yeah, she was married to Stuart Copeland. She was, uh, she was married to Stuart Copeland. Yeah. She's the singer. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. I've heard curved air from not. Princess Martin was in curved air. Oh, I don't he know. Was like, it's Daryl Way. Daryl Way was the fiddle player. Well, where did that? Yeah. Oh, it's all buried away in my head somewhere. <laughs> I haven't thought about curve there for decades. Yeah. I, they are, we actually, we have a poster in our studio here. Of, um, they had a big gig sometime and uh, my, my musician's a big, my producer's a big fan of it. So, you know, I didn't actually know them myself, but uh, yeah, it's been great. Oh, Stefan is here. Here we are. Ah, with you. Hi. Hi. So nice Hi. to see you. It's Hi, great Nick. to see you. Hi, Jack. Nice Hello, John Tao. So, what are we no. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you. We're talking about you. Wow. I'm the expert. You are the expert on this. <laughs> oh, well, so, for, yeah, let me introduce you, yes. know, Dave. So, yeah, yeah. he's. He's got a, he's really wanted to speak to you and I'm really just happy to be able to make this happen. So, uh. yeah, I'm happy too. I'm, I'm very happy as you know, as, as I did, no, no, I didn't tell you. I'm, uh, I'm, um, I love, I both, uh, as, as Dave, except as Dave, I'm a musician, but, uh, I would love to draw because I'm a, um, I'm a fan of, uh, you know, I started with comics and then, uh, you know, all the, the world of, uh, of a drawing. Amazing. Doors. So well, I'm happy well, to talk to you. I'm delighted to talk to you. You're interested in so many things. That's mm -hmm. what I love. Your playing and also your, uh, your character. Um, I, I, I mentioned in the email, I first saw you, saw you play live with a friend of mine. It's the, uh, uh, you told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I, I knew your name. But I'd ne not seen you play before. I was the most wonderful concert. Oh, grazie. Because you seem so temperamentally uh, in sync. You both seem to be delighted to be there and very funny and what trying to out crazy each other. It was like the Marx Brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a beautiful, beautiful concert. Oh, grazie. Thank you. Oh, so, um, Jake. We are, are we recording or are we oh, we're, we're rolling. Oh, yes. Are we rolling? Okay. Yeah. You just tell us what. <laughs> so, shall I start? I, I wanted to ask you about your, um, how you started because um, all the biographies that I've read um, jump cut from six years old to suddenly genius player coming through, <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, uh, being, um, uh, going through the conservatory and everything, there's a big jump there and, uh, and you seem to cover so much ground so quickly. I wanted to ask you maybe to fill that in a bit Were do you have siblings who play or were you surrounded by music 
growing up or how did you make such giant steps so quickly? Well, actually, I read a lot of comics <laughs> talking about because I, I, I was going to school, of course, and I was studying a lot because, I, you know, I was studying classical music. But at the same time, I always thought of myself as a performer, as a singer, as an actor. Uh, a TV hostman. So uh, I, I was always, you know, trying to find pop songs. And then I discovered there was something called jazz music where people was improvising. But actually, the first thing I loved uh, about jazz was the sound, the sound of bebop. Because mm -hmm. I was 11 years old and I listened to this uh, Charlie Parker tape. I was very lucky, actually. But uh, before that, I had an Oscar Peterson recording and I, was, I, I went mad for that. So I tried to understand what what does it mean these guys are improvising? Because I I couldn't imagine how it works. Maybe I still I'm still figuring it out, you yeah. know. But uh, but still there was something interesting there, and so I started uh, studying all the kinds of music that I liked. So I was in love with Frank Zappa. I was practicing on that or yeah. Prince song or whatever, you know. It could be Saint Silence or Oscar Peterson. Yeah. You know? And that, that's what happened in both years. I, I learned, I listened to a lot, a lot, a lot of music. Yeah. Right. And, I started, and I started playing when I was 15 years old. I started there professionally, let's say. Yes. So it's extraordinary to get to that level so quickly. Were you daunted at all? I remember seeing um, interviews with Oscar Peterson saying the first time he heard Art Tatum, he couldn't play for two weeks. And I remember seeing an interview with Dudley Moore, who said the same about Oscar Peterson when he first saw him play. He just couldn't, couldn't touch the keyboard. Was it daunting hearing that, you know, phenomenal technique the first time? You know, actually, first time I heard Oscar Peterson was on a record and I, I, liner notes were in German for no reason. And I couldn't <laughs> understand what was happening, but I, did, I, I thought it was two piano players playing yeah. it. And uh, it, probably I missed up to, with the name of the bass player, but I thought it was two guys. So I was mm -hmm. very cool about that. And I was listening to this thinking, wow, these two guys. And then suddenly, yeah, I don't remember when, but then somebody told me that it was just one guy, Oscar Peters. Mm -hmm. It's not a duo. Yeah. <laughs> and, it yeah. was, and it was amazing, actually. Yeah, it was an amazing uh, discovery. Yeah. And was there a time there where you were growing up in your early teens or uh, 10, 11, 12, where you were playing and you hit something and you thought, ah, now I can do this. This is great. This is great. I can actually do this. Yeah, actually, Dave, I have to say, uh, I started playing the piano almost immediately because I, I, I had to make music. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it, was going, it was always going very well. My practicing years, you know. I, okay, I had some problems, you know, the thing I had to study for the examinations. Uh, I'm obliged to study this sonata by Beethoven, and I don't really like it, but I'm obliged mm. to. Yeah. It could be hard for me. But since everything else was uh, something I wanted to practice on, everything was easy. Life Brilliant. was easy. And the life is, in a, in a way, still easy because, uh, you know, I'm following what, I, what I'm really in love with. So uh, in a way you meet, uh, you probably know this, uh, you, you have a, a, a very successful career. So you know that you are meeting angels. Mm. You're meeting the people, the necessary people to build a career 
you're meeting uh, in my um, in my story I meet Enrico Rava. Enrico Rava is fundamental. He took yeah. he takes me everywhere, playing with everywhere. And by him I know my my producers. Yeah. I meet Manfred Eichel from ECM and a guy from Level Blue. And you know, you know, everything builds up and you feel protected, actually. You feel yeah. it's easy. Yeah, I have to say it was always very easy. You shouldn't say that. Usually people are saying, you know, I had to practice a lot, but to well, I'm very jealous. I had to practice a lot. I, play, I, I play a little bit. I just for fun. I don't play. I because I'm, I'm, uh, I had a sort of life choice at 17. I could either go to art school and follow that or, or I was playing in bands. I could follow that. And I just had a sense that I was never going to be the jazz pianist that I wanted. I would want to be, but I, yeah, but I, I thought I had a chance at drawing, so I went that way. Yeah, yeah. But I saw you playing the piano on the tube, so I know you can do that. A little, a little, I, a little. I did the drawings until I was 11. Same thing. Oh, right. I did a lot of drawings, did a lot of comic strips with characters. I was in love with finding the punchline, but my drawings were terrible. And I never did it again since I was 11. I think I never, I'm never drawing anything. You know, uh, I can do, I can do a man. No, yeah. no idea of perspective or whatever. So, you know, everybody's got his own yeah. training. Yeah. So, um, the, the thing that I, I struggle with playing and uh, I also had piano lessons and I struggled with that, but the thing that did it for me was finding people to play with. And I lo you had so many collaborators and, I'm, and, and so are my favorite collaborators, Chick Career and Bobby McFerrin, these, these people who seem to just love to. Uh, talk through music on stage, and, yeah. but but then you mentioned Enrico Rava seems to be such an important one. Yeah, actually, he's yeah. You know, I could talk hours about yeah. Enrico, so I don't know where to start. But I have to say, the main thing that uh, that comes to me right now is the way he leads a band. Uh, so nothing poet, nothing to uh, nothing with poetry. I have to say, it's a very practical thing. But I learned from him because once he's, uh, he has chosen his men, he lets them do whatever they want. I'm really talking about whatever they want or on the spot. And this was uh, very rare to see from my point of view. Enrico is coming from uh, a period where, you know, the avant-garde was the so-called free jazz and everybody was free to express himself. Yeah. But then again, uh, in some cases, this, uh, this freedom was not so uh, so effective because you couldn't play a melody. You were not allowed to sing a very famous song because it's free jazz, so it has to roll, you know. And Enrico find uh, he, he's really he really finds a way to be real really free. So he's got a lot little structure, and then whatever happens in the song is okay. And uh, so I learned from him not to go. Uh, in front of a musician and show him what he should do. Yeah. Because actually, I don't like it either. I, mm -hmm. I, I've grown accustomed to that. But it's not nice because you chose him. So, you know, uh, uh, on my, with my first band, I was going to the drum saying, you know, something like, it, it doesn't work like that. No. Not, not with jazz musicians, you know, improvisers, people who want to be in, in a mood, you know? Yeah. 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 I've, I've done a little work in uh, directing films and actors hate that when you, when you say the line to them, how you, 
you know, do a, do a line reading for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, learned, I learned on day one. Don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that. No. Don't do that. You understand. And you don't, I guess, you don't give so many informations. Yeah. Because you are a director, you would love to talk for hours about your project, but they don't need so many information. So usually, no, you have to be careful. Yeah. But also, isn't it that you get the best of collaboration? You allow them to bring everything to it. You're not yeah. dictating. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So with, with uh, Enrico Rava, did you also feel, did you, I, I understand this freedom and this sense of uh, allowing all the collaborators to contribute everything to it. But did you also get a sense of his gentle guidance as well? Was he, uh, was he leading in that sense? There was a, there was a guide there. Uh, for sure, yeah. for sure. I, I felt I always felt sure, and I always felt I was uh, free. Um, I was more free playing with Enrico than with my band or when I was alone. Because when I'm alone, I'm with my own ghosts, as everybody here, and uh, and you know, I can be too uh, uh, mindy sometimes, mm -hmm. or the opposite, or the exact opposite. But I can I can be worried about the song list. I can be worried about the, uh, the audience reaction, you know, it can happen. It's, it's not so often, but it can happen. When I'm playing with Enrico, no, because in a way he's the leader, he's taking care of it. So I don't care. I'm playing music, you know, I don't care if my solo is too long, because if he likes a band, I can't, it can be longer. Yeah. In a, in a concert of mine, I would, I would think, wow, this is too long for the audience or for me. In a concert with Enrico, I feel free to, to go and play too much. Probably I play too much. Yeah. And, ex and, and explore. More. Yeah, and explore and explore because I know he wants that. Yes. Actually, the first, uh, the second time we played together, he came to me saying, why are you playing uh, short solos? And, uh, and I was a kid, you know, he was already a, a big, a great musician. So I was like, you know, I, you are all great musicians. I don't want to, you know, to intrude. Uh, yeah. And he, that, that was the, the only thing he told me in 30 years. I think the only time he said something to me in a very severe way. And he told me exactly, uh, I called you because I like your playing. So just play. Mm. Absolutely. That's absolutely. You, you, get the right, you get the right people and then you let them free. Yeah, exactly. There's, a lot, there's lots of lovely interviews with um, the, the various people who played with Miles Davis over the years. And I remember one interview particularly with Herbie Hancock uh, when, he's, when he first started. Uh, in the in the band in the in the band authentically, I suppose um, he was just not sure what to play. And Miles Davis said, "Well, if you don't feel like playing, you can play." <laughs> and it was so freeing. From that point, yeah. he could play anything. Yeah, it, yeah. gave him complete uh, yeah. free freedom. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what happens when playing with the Rico and while playing with a lot of other jazz musicians. You can also not play for a while. You yeah. can go uh, go out. Yes. Stage. Just go yeah. out and come back. Then you know after a while, and that's that's yeah, that's the cool thing about jazz music. Yeah. yeah. I I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, improvisation. Obviously, that's the that's the center of jazz and being in the moment, being in the present tense. Jazz is the music of the present tense. Um, I saw a lovely interview with you, and you mentioned. You talked about putting yourself in a cage. You talked about cages, uh, and, and my ears pricked up because the very <laughs> I did exactly the same. The first book that I uh, wrote was called 
Uh, it's called Cages. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, I, because I wanted to do the same. I had not written anything before, so I wanted to sort of put myself in, put myself into a, a, a box to see if I could find my way out. Uh, but also, I was interested in the fact that many of us are in cages. Some of, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. Uh, and you, you push your way out of one place, but you find yourself just in a bigger cage and then push out again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And many of us live, live like that, yeah. going, going from you know, sort of mountain peak to mountain peak or cage to cage. But I love this metaphor of the cage uh, as something to enjoy knowing where the walls are, but also pushing through. How, how, is, how is your attitude to, to um, improvisation developed to? Now that you talk that way, we can call it the Schrodinger's cat attitude. Yes, you, you yeah, did. Kind of, <laughs> I'm alive, I'm alive, yeah. I want to go out. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it came from uh, reading uh, a lot of novels uh, from the 60s and the 70s from uh, a bunch of writers, Italian and French writers, uh, which called themselves Ulipo, a kind of pataphysic uh, movement with the people like Italo Calvino and uh, Raymond Queno mainly, and also an English one, a guy called Harry, Harry Matthews. I remember this guy. You know, they're not, they're not so very uh, well-known, sure. but uh, uh, except for Queno and Calvino. And they were writing novels, giving themselves structures, games, yes. pages. And uh, this lead uh, sometimes to nothing because it was just a game. And so yeah. most of the writers were not uh, exceptional uh, writers, you know. But then you think about Italo Calvino and you immediately have to admit that uh, there's something going on there and it's a structure and he's uh, improvising in the structure. But the structure is very precise. So once you, you, read the, once you can read the, his diaries, he's, he's making diagrams of yep. whatever happens in the novel, you know, whatever this guy A meets this guy B, which is in love with C and et cetera, et cetera. I was uh, fascinated, fascinated with this because I'm, uh, I wasn't thinking like this. Mm. So I started, I started uh, building cages and uh, I loved the idea of being, of having a, a difficult structure. Let's say, let's call it difficult, even if I don't know how to explain why something is easy or difficult. It depends on the guy who's talking, of course. Mm. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's. Wonderful and ironic. Uh, the project I'm just about to start is an Italo Calvino novel. I'm illustrating um, really? in, Invisible Cities, which is one of my ah, favorites. It's here. <laughs> it just came. Wait. No. The funny thing is that I just rebought it ah, one amazing. week ago. So this is brend new. Wonderful. Well, it's I'll wonderful. say it. I'm, I'm doing illustrations for it for the Folio Society. So when it, comes out, when it comes out, I'll sell you a copy. But it's, yeah. it's, it's one of my favorite books. And that is pure gameplay. Yeah, exactly. Conversation between uh, Mark Polo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Done. yeah um, so he came, he came from uh, literature. A literature, actually. Okay. Came from that. Well, and, and, you know, and it started with... Uh, the discovering of this jazz musician playing with structures was, you know, amazing at the yeah. beginning. And so that sort of segues quite nicely into the fact that you've written a novel. 
Yes, I did. But it's all in Italian. So you it's can't... only in Italian. I can't, ah, I can't read it. I'm sorry. That's better. That's better. It's okay. Uh, well, you seem, you seem very reticent to talk about it. I'd love to know something about it. Why, why, okay. did you, why you wrote it, what, what, what you wanted to do with a novel uh, that you felt you couldn't do in your music. Oh, actually, I, I, I'm, I'm always, I, I've been always writing, you know, short stories or things. But then I decided to write this because it, uh, I had this idea of having simply a simple idea and a, an idea borrowed probably from that word we're talking about, Italo Calvino and other writers, of having five characters, five, uh, as you know, my hand, and uh, 88, 88 pages, yeah. you know. Things like that. It was a game, actually. Okay. And every one of these characters is meeting the other ones and nothing is happening. The main thing was I want to write a novel where almost nothing is happening, if possible, because it's a novel about uh, the, the things that uh, life is putting you in front and you chose not to see. So these characters, they could meet, they could have uh, a love affair, or whatever, but they are not able to recognize the opportunity. Right. So this sounds like a very serious thing, but believe me, it's just a, a bunch of small poems, jokes, and, and it's a very um, surrealistic situations. One guy is flying, another one is in a novel, and he reads this novel, so he's very worried because the, the book is short, he doesn't want he is very scared to be dying at the end of the novel. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, this, this kind of thing. It, okay. It's full of games, actually. It's full of games and the yeah. quotations and, uh, yeah, you know, this kind of Umberto Eco thing in a love, very small to, scale. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to read it. I'd love to read it. I'll, <laughs> I'll have to lobby uh, an English publisher to do a uh, translation. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's called um, La Syndrome di Brontolo. It's the Grumpy Syndrome. Grumpy. That's Grumpy. what Bronto. I tried to find what Brontolo means, it's, and I, it's, I couldn't find any. Anywhere. It's Grumpy because, yeah, one, one theory is uh, that if I make, if I ask you, if I ask any guy on earth to yeah. mention the names of the seven dwarves, uh, you would always forget one of them. So if you want, we can try. Do you think you know these names? <laughs> no. Well, this. Let's try. Sleepy, sneezy, uh, yeah. grumpy, grumpy is one. Yeah. Happy. Okay. You, you, you beat it. You won. You won. Usually in Italian, in, Ita yeah. in Italy, at least, nobody remembers this one, the one who's smiling, the one who's uh. happy. So the grumpy syndrome is the syndrome uh, in which you, you only notice uh, the, the, the bad things of the world yeah. and you don't remember about the happy people you met. That's it. That's a grumpy syndrome. Okay. I, I tend to think I'm a definitely a glass half empty person. So I'm surprised I'm a bit happy. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's, 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 yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I definitely wanted to talk about film a, a little bit with you, uh, because, um, you seem to, there's lots of film music on, I've got a little stack of your CDs here and there's lots of film music. Nila Rota and Morricone and all sorts. Uh, and the album titles, The Third Man and Patty, film keeps coming up. And uh, just yesterday I watched um, The General, which is one of my favorite films, Buster Keaton film. 
I'm a big silent movie fan. Yeah. Uh, and I loved your score. I thought your score was ah, ab absolutely perfect. Ah, grazie. Thank you very much. I'm glad to hear it. You seem to be the perfect person to do uh, silent movie score. Actually, I, I, I did it when I was a child also. Yeah. I, I was playing, it seems like <laughs> two centuries ago when I'm talking, but it was the 80s. And I was <laughs> playing in a, in a cine club, but I didn't have the time to see the movie before. So it was very interesting because I was improvising, totally improvising. And it was very funny because I couldn't know what, what's going to happen. So my music was not predicting something as the music does usually in the mm -hmm. movies we are used to see. I couldn't predict anything. No. So I was always surprised and, and people was, started laughing because of me trying to run uh, after this movie, yes. which was a, a movie by, uh, uh, what's the name of, uh, I don't remember, I don't remember, but it was a very funny movie. Mm -hmm. so everything was happening and I was passing from a love song to a chase and whatever. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, this is a very funny way to, to do that. Yeah. They tried to do almost the same with this Buster Keaton thing. I had time because I had time to practice and decide. Yeah. I did it live, you know, several times. But then I always tried to have just some tunes and then try to be surprised. Oh. Yep. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm Buster Keaton in a way. I'm not yes. the music which is commenting Buster Keaton. And that was very funny, actually. Well, yeah. Th that absolutely came across in the music. Uh, yeah. Your your own delight that things were suddenly happening on screen and you were yeah. ca catching up. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to follow. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I wanted to ask. Really, where, how much of it was at about scored? But you, might, I, I guess, you had pen, like sketched out little ideas for scenes. Is that I did how that. it worked? Actually, I worked as I worked with light motifs. Let's say so. Yes. I decided. I decided the main tunes for the, the characters and uh, the, the the train, of course, him and the, the woman. But uh, then it was improvised, and I have to say, I did it many times, and then I lost the charts, and mm -hmm. I had no idea of what the tunes were. And so, when when it came to recording the the thing you saw, yep. I decided to make it brand new. So this is a kind of second version because anyway, I'm, when I say the charts, we are talking about this kind of paper, A4, mm -hmm. yeah. just one. Yeah. It was just five, <laughs> five <laughs> yes. melodies and with chords. So, uh, so what you see there is almost everything entirely improvised because I didn't remember the tunes. Amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing, but I, but I do love that way of making um, film scores. And I know there are some people like Ry Cooder, I think, uh, when he uh, makes um, Bim Vendor's uh, movies, soundtracks, he just watches it and responds. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and some, something very pure and direct comes out yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. When, when, and uh, you remember one of the first ones, I think it was Miles uh, with uh, Ashin Sokur, uh, Lishika. I don't remember the English style. The English uh, style stair is... Staircase to the Gallows, I think it's called. Yeah. And he was improvising with, uh, with uh, the screen and everybody screamed it was a miracle and he got the prizes and everything. Yeah. And when you see the movie, 
music is something like five minutes, maybe. Mm. The, the whole movie, the movie is silent. Mm. But uh, since the movie is silent, these five minutes, they, they sound incredible. Yeah. They sound great. So uh, what I... Uh, what I think is that is that probably in soundtracks everything is allowed. So if you, I know a lot of uh, people doing uh, deep, very different things. Mm -hmm. When you when you see Ennio Morricone talking, you understand that he worked in a different way with uh, the directors, and this is the same for Nino Rota and all the, the great composers, or Lalo Schifrin or Andre Preven. You, you yes. get the feeling that this is a, an affair between uh, the composer and the director. Yeah. So, any anything is allowed so improvising writing everything uh, moving as you know moving this music which was fought for this scene moving this music to the end because yeah. it looks better you know and, and this, this is something i like because i yeah. like to be part of this process because it's a creative process and uh, and actually nobody can really say this is really going to work mm. So it's about talking and sharing and there's no dictatorship possible. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, unless you are a producer and you want to explain me that if I don't cut this scene, we are not going to gain money. But, mm -hmm. but once again, this is to prove. This is something to prove. So I love this uh, uh, area of the creativity where nobody's really, really can say it's going to work. No. Love it. I and you only know that it works when it when it works when when, yeah. the, when the film runs gets and to it, somebody and it either takes your breath away or it doesn't it misses yeah and, yeah and it, yeah and it's undeniable isn't it i mean you just can't argue with that it either works or it doesn't work yeah yeah and it's so fast i mean yeah. you're working so much uh, to this movie and it's just two hours and that's it it's incredible yeah. because that's what i love about music i have to say that I worked with, to a record and then you can listen to this record for, for a very long time and it's yeah. always fresh. You can do it with a movie, unfortunately. What's your favorite movie? What, what's the movie you saw many, 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 many times and you don't get bored exactly as a, a record? There are, there are quite a few. <laughs> yeah, a, there, are quite a lot, there are quite a few. Um, I, as I said, I love uh, very early films, violent films. It, it was a different medium, really, and it told yeah. stories in a different way. And um, there's, there's a film by Murnau called Faust, a version yeah. of the Faust legend, which I, every time I see it, I see something else in it. And, the, and then there's a great film, um, much more recent film by Lars von Trier called The Element of Crime. Yeah. And it has a logic to it that is unlike any other film I know. And, every, and I've seen it many times now, and every time I see it, I, my, my brain sort of clicks into the logic of this film. It's unlike any other film. Ah. It's really an uh, extraordinary film. It's, it was his first film, very first yeah. film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to say, I remember the atmosphere, and it fits, it suits with, it suits with, uh, with you, actually. Yes. The atmosphere was very dark with, in a, a boat. Uh, That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it has a thick amber cast to all yeah. the images, amber yeah, yeah. cast, yeah, really, and, and an occasional bright blue neon tube. It's just really startling. I yeah. saw it in art school, and since then, what about you? What sort of films do you uh, enjoy? Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, I I couldn't quite <laughs> believe you did an album of that. 
Okay, I think I saw it. I really saw it hundreds of times. Amazing. I mean, I what, love. What? I mean, why? Why? What? Why? why? <laughs> I don't know why. I had to okay. say I don't know why. I mean, I mean, I got a thousand explanations because mm. after all these years, I gave myself a lot of explanations, but I don't think I found the right one. The right one is just uh, I like it. Yes, of course. It's something course. I, which is not a. I cannot explain. No. But also, also other things. But I, I have to say, movies where the music is involved, they are easy for me to watch over and over again mm. because they have a, a kind of rhythm. And uh, for, as an example, there's a guy you know, you know, you you probably know Sylvain Chomé, the, the drawer. Yes, yes, Chomé. Yes, yeah. You know, there's a movie he made, just one movie with the actors, real actors, which mm. is called Attila Marcel. This is a very rare movie. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, you, you have to check it because okay. that's, that's another movie about music. Where mm. There's a piano player uh, as a main character, which I can see. I, I can see this movie for a long time. And then there are songs. It's almost a musical. So mm. it's uh, once again, yeah. I love it when uh, the music sort of crystallizes the identity of the film. Yeah. And I, I, to be honest, I see it less and less these days. Film soundtracks seem to be becoming rather homogenous. But yeah. films like um, The Last Tango in Paris um, has a beautiful score by Gaffa Fabieri. Um, yes. and, and, the, and the film titles at the beginning are paintings by Francis Bacon. So in the first few frames of that film, Gatto Bebieri's um, saxophone, <laughs> saxophone comes up. Francis yeah. Bacon's paintings. I'm right back in this film, the, the yeah. atmosphere of this film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, better, uh, probably this is the Netflix effect. I mean, everything is supposed to be, you know, similar to something you saw before. Yes. Know? So the it, music should be um, not too loud, not too important, and most of all, not too original, because no. otherwise it's taking the attention. This, I, I think this is, uh, of course, another kind of idea which is not true or you cannot prove that so mm. producers are talking about that but you cannot prove that if you have a, a great soundtrack by a great composer if that could be worse than having a, a small soundtrack made by a guy who's making you know using the right rules yeah so but uh you know the history of cinema is there to say that Rota Morricone, uh, the ones we are talking about, John Williams, they are great composers doing great music. Yes. So this should be possible. Absolutely. Possible make great music. Uh, and I was, um, yeah, very sad to see that Roichi Sakamoto just died yesterday. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he wrote beautiful things, I think, for yeah. Bertolucci's films. See, and, less um, temporal. Yeah. No, the Deserto also, the, the Shelter in Sky. Shelter in the, 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 the Sky. The, yeah, the theme he wrote for the Shelter in Sky is. Yeah, beautiful. Yes. This note, this yeah. note is uh, the most incredible idea of the century. And the fourth line also is, is unusual. The fourth line is. Yes. Beautiful. And have, that's the only one that sounds like a Japanese writer to make Japanese uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. While we're on, while we're on this, um, a lot of your music feels to me uh, that it has a real romance to it, and it seems I don't know if you have a love for 
you know, music at the beginning of the 20th century, really songs from the 20s, 30s, going into the 40s, and that sort of romantic sense of melody. Is that, am I picking up that correctly? You like yeah, you music? are. I have nothing to say about that. You, you just, just, <laughs> you're just a kid. You hit in the right spot. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. 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 You're in love with the, the period uh, in, uh, with classical composers, with the jazz of that period and with the spirit, uh, which was the jazz period at the times, you know, yeah. it, it came from a community, it came uh, with this idea of uh, being uh, all together, improvising with, without a leader, because everybody is, you know, giving his contribute. So I love, I love that. That moment, I love uh, the surrealistic movement. Yes, the way they came out, and uh, they, they, they talked about the power of dreams. They came out with Euronymous Bosch, and nobody knew what what was that. Yeah. Or William Blake, uh, the, the, the new discovery of William Blake. You know this this kind of uh, yeah, this kind of word. It, mm. it 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 still it's inspiring to me. Yeah, me too. It must it, yeah. it, it, it must have been an extraordinary time to see. Yeah. The birth of film and modernism and abstraction and comics for me and jazz and all the things that I love uh, were birthed over a period of 10, 20 years. And you know, Dave, I think maybe it's the same for you. It was the same for you. When you're a kid and you think about Luis Manuel, Salvador Dali, René Claire, Eric Satie, um, you know, um, preparing these things that we're doing together. When you're a kid, you imagine, wow. They are talking and uh, because you, they are all so clever. They are also cultivated. They are talking a lot and, uh, you know, they are intellectuals and whatever. And then you think the same about jazz musicians and musicians, generally speaking. And then you start uh, meeting some musicians and some writers and some painters. And you discover that all, most of the time they're just drunk talking. <laughs> and it was a discovery for me, you know. After a while, I was, I was professionally playing and I was asking myself, when are we starting talking about <laughs> ethics or art or my, my idea of expression or postmodernism? Never. And that's, I think this is interesting. I don't think they were talking too much. They were having fun mm. doing the things, doing things. Uh, we are writing this, uh, you know, uh, we are writing the speech for the movement. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's go. Yeah. yeah. We don't have a feeling that we were, you know, okay, let's talk about that. There's a party, there's a communist party or whatever. No, they were just going, flowing. And that's, that's something I, I started to like after a while. Yeah. At the beginning, I was a little disappointed. I don't know <laughs> about your experience. You know, I thought I'm meeting these famous musicians. Maybe we're going to talk about ethics. No, we're going to talk yeah. about wine and pasta if we are in Italy. Yeah. So what yeah. happens to you? Yeah, very similar. Um, I, I, I got to meet a few interesting sort of filmmakers and all sorts of people over the years. And yes, I'm, I was surprised. They'd much rather just talk about the food that they're eating or the <laughs> house prices or the, all the usual things that people talk about. Um, wanted to talk about, you know, creativity and inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> so but, it's good to have this, uh, this space. So finally, yeah. Yeah, doing that. <laughs> yes. Finally. But the, but the other thing that I, I really love is your, your breadth of interest. Um, and 
you know, I, I uh, occasionally talk at art schools and go and talk to, and I'm usually talking to lots of illustrators or you know, people in design or something like that. And they are in university, but they're in their little compartment in their university. And out there, there are historians and scientists and physicists, economists. Go and talk to them. They're all fascinating people. And yet everybody seems to prefer to, or they are educated into their little uh, compartment. And I love the fact that you seem to be, it, you've done this, uh, you're as a television uh, host interviewer, you've reached out and talked to scientists and many other different people. That seems to be part of your interest as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have to say, uh, um, when I decide to play with uh, somebody, uh, it's not because he's a, a, a great musician, but probably it's because he's a, a cool guy first. Mm. Uh, because I have to be interested and I know that I'm going to travel with a guy, eat with a guy, yeah. talk to the guy. Yeah. So mainly, I, I want to be sure that we can communicate. And I have to say that you can find uh, a lot of people scientists, as you said, writers, which are, are waiting, are looking forward to talk yeah. to somebody else. So uh, it's interesting to me. It's yeah. very appealing because, uh, as I told you, I'm trying to steal uh, uh, attitudes from all the, from the world, yeah. from literature or cinema or whatever. So, yeah. or punchlines from the peanuts. Yeah. Well, I grew up with that. So I'm sure with this means something in my whole life. I'm, I'm thinking life in terms of punchlines. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. This is, this is something. I, I, yeah. I don't realize it all the time, but probably I am. Um, whenever I, I ended up talking to a mathematician or a, a you know, geneticist or something, they're bored stiff talking to, about their own subject within their own circle. They want to talk about art and music and other things. Yeah, 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 and I, yeah. I, I, I want to talk to them about mathematics and genetics. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's not my work. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but I love that connection. And I yeah. tend, tend to think that we kind of need each other. Scientists need the art to yeah. think outside of their box. And we artists need science so that we understand the world. We know what's actually going on. But... Uh, yeah, I agree with you, and I have to say, it led me to think that the world has been dominated, let's say, been ruled by any kind of, uh, you know, possible group of people. We had, uh, you know, we had the females, we had, uh, uh, then we had, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, religious people, or politicians, or economists, mm -hmm. uh, even intellectuals. Let's, uh, let's talk about Plato, he tried that, you know. What about artists? Let's try. Yeah. Why is, isn't anybody giving a chance to this uh, kind, to this, uh, uh, this bunch of people? Yes. Uh, I mean, we tried everybody. We tried with priests, scientists. Everybody's ruling the world except for artists. Except for artists. Yes. Which is why? Why? I think I was, uh, if I, if I, if I was in the hands of you or another guy, I was, I, I felt, I would feel, really much safer, really much safer. And I don't think it's only me. It's uh, a lot of people, you know, surely, surely, it's, surely it's our turn 
We've, yeah, we've, exactly. we've, been, we've been waiting 5,000 years, surely. Exactly, exactly. Philosophers, they had yes. the time. Yes. You know? Now it's the time for scientists, you know, for virologists. Now yeah. it's mm -hmm. this moment. You can, they rule the world. They decide the rules. Mm. It's okay. It's okay. I'm still waiting for our moment. Definitely. Um, yeah. And did you enjoy talking? I know you talked to all sorts of people. Merlin Sh and Rupert Sheldrake, very um, controversial scientist. And uh, Igor Zibaldi, I've written some notes down. And you yeah. more than quite a list of uh, unusual disciplines. Did you? Did you? Yeah. Did you, or magpie ideas from them for your own world? Yeah, 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 actually, I, you know, I, I still think after all this listening to these guys, that music is probably all over all the speeches we are doing. It's over. It's a, it's a language which is uh, really the language of the gods and the language of the reality. Because reality is numbers, mathematics actually, and vibrations. So what is what 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 is uh, made by numbers and vibrations? The music. So actually, I do think that it's really important being a musician, and I promise myself to reflect more on this subject because I, I you know I like music and I like to play and woo, life is cool and life is fun. But I have to say. Uh, probably music is something more than uh, something playful or uh, delightful, but it's uh, it's really the the thing the things we are. Yes, the the, the substance, the substance. Yeah. yeah. So if if, yeah. if, if art is um, about empathy and uh, uh, seeing the world through somebody else's eyes, music is this perfect version of that isn't it because it's it you don't need to read a language you don't need to decipher it it just goes straight in it hits the emotional really? center no brain no brain yeah. involved you don't need that i mean you need it if the music is complicated and the, the music is calling for the brain but otherwise you don't need it so yeah. it's, uh, it's fantastic yeah actually yeah and jazz in particular this this music that is conversational and improvise and in the moment, in the present tense, seems to have really um, have blossomed in the late 20th century. And I wondered if you thought, but you're Italian, jazz is rooted in American blues, but now is all over the world. And every time it finds a new territory, it seems to um, borrow a little from the folk musics of the place, places where it lands and the tone of voice and the way people speak and deal with each other in the place that it is. I, I think that's really beautiful. How do you yeah. feel about that being an Italian jazz player? Well, actually, uh, it's good news. You are talking about jazz as uh, an alive being. Yeah. He's just uh, going around and changing. If he lives in Australia, he's, uh, you know, he, yeah. he behaves in some way. If he lives in Africa, it's different. So, and I do think the jazz has this Ability to be met metaphor for a lot of things. As an example, it's the, the, the thing you were saying, living in the present tense. You don't have time while improvising to think, oh, I made a mistake or, or what am I going to do next? There's no time because boop, you have to hit the note, build the phrase. You have to build the bridge. And at the same time, you're walking on the bridge. 
which is interesting, which is something you never do. Probably you do it with a language when you provide with a language. So everybody can do that. Everybody can understand how jazz works because we are doing it with language. Sometimes I'm starting a phrase and I don't know what's going to be the ending. Yeah. Or, you know, I think it's the same for everybody. And, uh, and, and, and third thing about jazz is uh, sociologically speaking, it's very interesting to have this bunch of people with a, a kind of leader, but which really is not leading for the old time, but is, you know, listening to everybody. So if somebody in the band is uh, proposing something interesting, musically speaking, a phrase, the leader is, re is ready to jump on the new horse. And this is something we should learn from because it's, it means that while talking all together, we can solve any problem just simply following the best idea, which sounds naive now, but it's actually, uh, it's actually touching to see how it works very well in jazz music. So it could work in life too. Yes. And especially in a world where we more and more seem to be bunkered down in our own little visions of the world and refusing to engage and refusing to look through the eyes of the people that we perceive as opposite does. It's absolutely, it seems to be breaking down understanding and conversation, politics and everything. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But, but music, you can't do that. You have to, you have to be alive to what the other person is saying and living as well. Yeah, and, and mainly music is something you do with a group of people. You do it together with some guys, but it's not against another bunch of people, which no. is amazing. You, you, we don't think so much about this subject, but if you are with a bunch of people, you are a party, so you are fighting against somebody or something, or you are a team, a soccer team or a rugby team, you are fighting against somebody. You are a state, you are a nation, you are a church. <laughs> very dangerous subjects. They are fighting all the time. If you are an orchestra, you are just fighting with nobody. You are just uh, mainly you are fighting with yourselves, but to find the beauty in yourself. Mm. So I, I think this is amazing. I think everybody should play, you know, in an orchestra to learn how amazing it is to do something all together with no other reason than having fun and mm. being, building a beautiful thing. But, but building something together, working yeah, together. At the moment, at the moment, you know, that's, at, that's, a movie is different. It's a lot of people, yeah. you know, in the moment, you know, it's not so touching. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it's really tragic at the moment, the way music is being sidelined in education in England. I don't know how it is in... Uh, Even in England. I know, I, I don't know. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Usually we, we refer to England as, uh, as an example of having a good musical education. Well, it's, uh, it's dwindling. Um, music and art generally are being um, sidelined uh, in favor of uh, things that are perceived to make money. It's, it's, it's all about money. And... Wow. Plato used to say, it's only about music and gymnics. The children should learn music and gymnics, and that's it. Yes. You yes. can learn anything else. Yeah. That's great. That's a great that's idea. Great. <laughs> Where do we go from here? I've, the, the top album on my, my great pile of your record CDs that I've got here is this beautiful one with Hamilton. Uh, I, I absolutely love this. And um, 
he was he was one of the vo I went to Brazil um a few years ago and fell in love with Bossa Nova. I know you like love Brazilian music as well. How did you discover uh, Brazil Brazilian music? I I was a fan of Bossa Nova when I was a kid, but I only knew about that. And then the first time I went there, I discovered there was a world of ethnic, ethnic music, uh, folk yeah. music, choro, samba, maracatu, xochi, uh, baiano, a lot of names which really are hiding a, a big world because Brazil yeah. is a, is enormous, so yeah. it's full of music. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm in love with the language also. I love yeah. the sound of the language, yeah. To an Italian, it sounds even more melodic than uh, my own language, which I love. It is, yeah. yes. Italian is very musical. Yeah, it's musical. But actually, the, the, the best thing about Italy is the dialects. Right. That ver vernacular, how do you say, dialects? Yes. Yeah, idioms, idioms uh, regional idioms are even more musical than uh, this Italian language we are using uh, just to understand each other, you know. Mm. But uh, when you go to Naples and we talk their own dialect, it's really music. Really. Right. Really. Right. Yeah. It's quite staccato, isn't it? Quite attacky in Naples. Yeah, and they're quite, uh, uh, you know, how can I say, sforzato, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm right. I'm right back there in the street. <laughs> and the, I, I, when I went to Brazil, I liked um, uh, Bossa Nova, but actually what I discovered there was how beautiful the songs are because so many of the records that I've heard sort of buried in very syrupy arrangements and strings and it, 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 it has a sort of elevator music uh, you know attitude to it but the songs are so extraordinary i've, yeah. I've completely rediscovered it through yeah. just just listening to um how gilberto just playing guitar and singing or yeah. just just piano and soul it's really beautiful exactly exactly you it's the same for me when i listen to uh, george gilberto I'm in love with the fact that it's sim a simple thing. It's just a guy with his guitar and the songs are wonderful because sometimes the arrangements of a sound can be, can distract you. Completely. I know what you mean. It can be close to elevator music in some cases of Bossa Nova period. But then they came, you know, the, the modern songwriters, people like Caetano Veloso, Chico Buarque, Gilberto Gil. And this thing, this feeling of elevator music is, it's, it's disappeared. So if you if you listen to them, you you really you feel that big musical mind behind yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I, them. I think what I really got from them was this this sort of conversational tone. This feeling like the person is just sat next to me. Yeah, pouring their heart out in this beautiful whispered, elegant song with these beautiful. Yeah. Uh, flowing melody lines that don't quite go where you think they're going to go, and oh, it's so lovely. And it's mesmerizing, you know. Yeah. Also, I yeah, I sometimes feel he's a kind of guru. He's just you know, Jorge Beto, uh He's singing the same songs for fifty years, you know. Yes. Yeah, you know, and and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. I mean, you had the, the Beatles, and you had the Led Zeppelin, and you had Morchiba, and Joao is always singing. I admire that because as, as you, Dave, I'm, you know, I'm always, I'm a kind of SpongeBob. I'm trying to, to, 
to steal information from artists. And I love this guy doing the same song for 40 years. I think it's really interesting. It's so nice to have uh, on earth a guy singing the same song. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 it. and it changes as he gets older and his voice changes. Yeah, but in details. Tiny because details. he's just, you know, he's not changing <laughs> the, the, the key. Yeah. Or the structure is just, oh, yeah, keep poison. <laughs> and it's going to do it for 10 times. If you go and see him live, you know, it's 10 times or 20 times. So you're just, you know, entering in a different realm. Yeah. Uh, we're coming close to our hour, I think. But the, this is the, the, the next album down, which has my favorite of your tracks on. Ah. Uh, this, this album. Ah, <laughs> But it has this amazing version of Tico Tico from Fuburon, when you, where you, you are changing key almost every phrase. Yeah, I took it from my mother because I have a mother which is totally out of key, out of tune, sorry, out of tune. Right. And so as soon as you have an interval, which is bigger than uh, a second, Daddy, she can sing, da -di -di, da 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 -di da she can do that. But as soon as the interval is, is bigger, She's going to change the key. So I, I applied this idea to Tico Tico. So it's like, which is easy. Yeah. Close. Now you have to jump. That's when we are changing the key because my mother would have changed that. Big jump. That's that's another you know change of key because yeah. my mother couldn't do that. That's true. So that's that's the inspiration. What yeah. a lovely story. <laughs> that's wonderful, wonderful. What what are you doing now? What are you? What's the what's what's next? Uh, I want to be a movie composer. I wondered my if you done. I wondered if you were going to go into that. I I did a cup. I did just a couple of numbers recently. I just. Uh, I just did one, which is called Patafio. It's a movie uh, setting in a fake medieval middle age, fake middle age. It, it's uh, uh, funny and deep at the same time, and it's a good movie. And so I had fun playing, uh, you know, a sort of fake ancient music, a fake early music, you know. Oh, uh, right. But, uh, but I had the archichord, which was not there at, in the middle age, uh, but it's okay, you know, to have an. Uh, a kind of early spirit. And I had a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, because I, I'm using instruments uh, of that time or a little a little uh, after those times. But then they're playing uh, in, a, in, a, in a bizarre way. And so you get that it's not it's not early music. You get it. Yeah. I think you get it after four measures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I was amazed how... How well the Fender Rhodes works with uh, the general. With Basakito. Yeah. yeah. I was amazed too. When I tried, I was not sure. When I tried and I, I liked the, the vibe, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought yeah. that that would be right no. at all. But it worked beautifully. You, yeah. you, I, you didn't even notice that it was a modern instrument. It just, no. uh, the, uh, the sound uh, captured the motion so beautifully. That's good. That's good. That's great. That's good to hear, yeah. Good. I, I still love that. It's still my favorite part of making films. Um, once, because the shoots are always uh, war zone, just trying to get through it. 
And then the editing is good fun. But when you add the music to the image, that yeah. magical connection uh, is still my favorite at the moment. I guess so. So what are, I'm curious about one thing, Dave. What are you doing? Are, are you sometimes using temporary music while the computer composer is working just to have something on the images? Probably you're doing that, right? Yeah, this, this is this, this is, is the nightmare of a composer. Totally you know, nightmare. This is yeah. complete nightmare. Well, but it's a nightmare for me uh, trying to edit as well. Because I've got to have something. I, I know there's going yeah. to be music yeah. there. Yeah. And then music contributes so much. Yeah. So, so I made a film um, with an actor called Michael Sheen, uh, and the film is called The Gospel of Us. Mm-hmm. And I edited it, um, by, and a lot of the scenes, it was a, it was a three-day theatrical piece, so there was always an audience around, and, mm-hmm. I, shot, and I shot it to be a film. But the, so the actual sound of, on the day was poor. I mean, the actors are speaking, but there's people muttering, and there's all kinds of... So I stripped all the sound out when I started editing and just found a piece of music that I thought conjured the scene. I think it was a piece by Guy Concelli was the first one. Ah. And uh, I let that play and it was absolute magic. And so I cut the whole film to these masterpieces of 20th century music that I couldn't afford. I mean, I couldn't afford to clear no. it all. <laughs> so, so then... Having got that far, I had to take all that out and, and create music uh, of, of my own that, that would yeah. try and capture the same thing. <clears throat> so I worked with a producer called Ashley Slater, who's a great jazz uh, singer and uh, producer, and then this amazing cellist called Ma- Matthew Sharp. And, oh, yeah, yeah. and when we, uh, I wrote some, some pieces and we, we created that, but as soon as Matthew came in to play the main lines on the cello he abs it was i mean we were in tears it was just so beautiful that moment where the music hits the picture yeah yeah so you had uh, you had you you experienced the nightmare the composer's nightmare completely but uh, but the director was you actually the director was me it was my own nightmare so so well, for the for the the other another film that I made called Luna, I ended up writing sort of scr- very scratch pieces, rough pieces. So I knew that they didn't sound finished, so I didn't get married to them. But they oh, okay. they at least fulfilled the job of being music in against the pictures. So I get yeah. through the edit. That seemed to work. Wait. And then a guy called Daffa Yusuf. Do you know Daffa Yusuf? Yeah, yeah, I know him personally. Yeah, yeah, of course, I know Daffa. He yeah. came in and played. He played direct looking at the pictures and just responding to the things. Ah. It's really lovely. Ah, that's great. That's great. You know, I was lucky because in this movie, uh, Shed in the Middle Age, I had time to compose before the shooting. Okay. Perfect. I talked Perfect. to Yeah. So I prepared the tunes and uh, the director already liked the tune. So the atmosphere was already the right one. And then I only had to adapt the tunes yeah. to, the, to the things. But it was so nice because actually I was lucky because they had a couple of songs. So they were obliged to call the composer before shooting. Perfect. And that's, that's really good. That's really good. That you know, perfect. actually, you know, Dave, one, one uh, synchronicity. I, I think it's very rare to happen. Uh, before talking to you, maybe four hours before talking to you, I played the piano. Yeah. And I was playing Cancelli. 
the Georgian composer. Amazing. Yes. Playing music by Cancelli, which, which doesn't happen all the time. No. Uh, to me, to me, it's the first day in my life. I'm just studying. I, I had wow. some sheet music. I was just, you know, trying to find something I would like to play about Can from Cancelli. And amazing. so it's, it's amazing. You are, you just, you just mentioned. Yes. Yes. Cancelli and Italo Calvino and we're, we're obviously. Yeah, also, also Calvino. Obviously yeah, in yeah. sync. Yeah. 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 That's a sync. Yeah. That's a good sync. Also. Well, yeah. Wonderful. Grande. Great. Jack, do you want to ask anything, oh, add anything? No, I mean, uh, I don't think I can hit it out with you, these creative heavyweights. So. <laughs> you both have these huge cultural vocabularies. I'm just scribbling down notes of things I have to study afterwards, but it's been fantastic. I, I, a golden conversation. Thank you both so very much. It's been really wonderful to, uh, to talk with you. No, I, I have loved your music so much. That's it. Else. Grazie, it's been an honor, an honor and a privilege because uh, I like your work. I know your work, so I'm very I'm wonderful. I hope we can meet soon. Absolutely. The, the next time you're in the UK playing, I will make sure I'm there. And yeah. if, I'm, if I'm in Italy and I see you playing around, yeah, yeah, I, will, yeah, yeah. I will be there. Come to Italy. We have a wonderful summer coming out. Yes. Yes. Come now. Um, <laughs> But you know now Dave has to compose a hot song, <laughs> a piece based on this conversation. So are you inspired yeah. then, Dave? Yeah, it's going to be a long song. It's going to cover a lot of material. <laughs> it may be a sh maybe an opera. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what <we're doing. laughs> I'm so Brilliant. curious to hear. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Good. Well, what can I say? It's been, well, thank you very much. Grazie. Okay. Thanks to you. Ciao. Right, ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Ciao, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ciao, bye -bye. ciao, bye -bye. ciao, ciao Jake. Okay. Grazie. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Busy themselves Fetching scissors and colored papers Mixing hues of different flavors Painting blues and greens and purples Cutting stars and squares and circles Beginning the journey Through a thicket of collage and texture And bread and circuses from his bed he considers the surfaces He remembers his voyages And he watches On re-watches On his body is bedbound But his mind isn't even earthbound To the form of a figure And places it next to another Improvisation No turning back No hesitation 
Letting go to muscle sense and iteration Creativity in the present tense No more sitting on the fence Commit to the composition And he watches Enrico watches The kids coming up through the quavers and crotchets Little birds with their scales and their rhythms and pitches Finding their voices, hoping to sing He'll pass on the history of princes and kings Of bicks and miles and the truth and the sophistry Of Chet and Louis and the proof and the mystery Takes an occasional player under his wing And flies through fundamentals Improvisation and incidentals And he watches Stefano of the film and the stillness of the man Deadpan Buster Keaton The girl leaves His heart heaves His blank expression falls to his knees Then the horizon He sits He thinks Pushing his hat Back on his head Lost in this moment of loss The signs he misread He fails to notice The coupling rod on the train That is rising and falling And that is where his seat is He bobs up and down As his dignity decreases His stone face Flashes a moment of Indignation Beneath his hat To acquire learning To gain wisdom You must watch Stefano watches Through the bars of his cage A cage of bar lines and staves Something to break out of To fight with Burn and tear and tickle and sway with 
Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the song and the episode. The song will be released next week. It will be available on all streaming platforms, but you can already pre-save. Please support the artists by following them on social media and adding the song to any playlists you have. This is a completely free show, and you've listened this far, so I'd really appreciate it if you could pay us back by clicking like and subscribe. And follow at PodSongs on social media platforms, or subscribe to the newsletter podsongs.com for special updates. Or just tell the next person you see about this amazing show where musicians interview their idols and write a song about them. The songs are available for download from the Podsongs website as well, which pays a lot more than the 0.00 whatever we get from Spotify. You can also email me at jack at podsongs.com to give feedback, suggest an artist and guest combos you'd like to hear, or just say hello. We're a listener-supported show, and I'd love to hear from you. A final thanks to my researchers, Dory Verbo and Rosa Marino, my producer, Maurizio Sanicola of Goldmine Records, and musicians, Massimino Vozza and Luigi Falcioni. The next episode will be out soon. In the meantime, you can listen to more amazing episodes in the archives. Until then, have a great day.